0: Amen! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God! It's good to hear a couple people here. Amen! Because we're here, there's a few of us, of course, and just thankful that I could even virtually hear you say "Amen" and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord! And Amen! God bless you. Amen! We are. I'm uh, continuing my series of sermons, uh, and it was be- it began last week on the uh, person and work of the Holy Spirit. The person and work. Of the Holy Spirit. The Blazing Center is the title of the series. Just a, a few ser- sermons, uh, a few messages. Um, the Blazing Center, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so can we bow our heads in a word of prayer? Dear God, we thank you for this day. We ask for your blessings upon your people uh, near and far. Uh, we thank you for um, keeping us. We thank you for protecting us. We thank you for healing us. We thank you for recovery, God. We thank you um, for patience. We thank you for endurance that you've given us. We thank you for um, uh, the ability you give us to wait on you. You said wait on the Lord and be of good courage that you would mount us up on wings as eagles. And we shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. God, we thank you for the day that is coming where we can run uh, and not just by ourselves. Uh, with our brother and sister in Christ uh, and, and, and the presence of your Holiness together, uh, physically, in Jesus' name. Now we ask, God, you help us with this word. Thank, help us to be uh, the church, the church you planted, the church your apostles planted. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you repeat after me, the witness of the Holy Spirit. Say it again, the witness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated here. Amen. A couple people there, a couple people there, a couple people there. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you uh, today. Amen and amen. Um, The witness of the Holy Spirit. We're in Acts chapter 1. And uh, last week I preached on the the work of the Holy Spirit. And now I want to preach on the uh, the witness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, What we see in this scripture is the coming initiation of the disciples by the Holy Spirit. The coming initiation of the disciples by the Holy Spirit. And there is this transition that Luke wants us to see that's taking place between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. This transition. Jesus is leaving and the Holy Spirit is coming. Luke describes Jesus His teaching, as teaching the last things that he wants to leave with his disciples. And he describes Jesus teaching those through the Holy Spirit. That's how Luke describes it, that Jesus is teaching the disciples through the Holy Spirit. So I want you to understand the the transition that's taking place. Look at verse 2 with me. And I'll, I'll read from verse from verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the who? To the apostles he had chosen. So here he's giving instruction to the apostles right before he goes up into heaven. Do you see that, again, that right after Jesus gave his disciples instructions, follow me, through the Holy Spirit, he was taken up. What, then, did he instruct them to do? Actually, we do not know exactly what he was instructing them to do, but listen, but we know that what he was instructing them to be. He was instructing them to be apostles. You see that? He's calling them apostles now, not just disciples. He's calling them what? The apostles. He was instructing them to be apostles. He was teaching them, get this, about church planting. That's what an apostle does. He plant, he or she plants churches. And if you combine that with the fact that over the last 40 days Jesus was on the earth that he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, right? 40 days, he talked to them about, the Bible says there, Valerie read it, spoke about the kingdom of God, and he calls them apostles. If you put those two things together, we can surmise that he was teaching them that planting the church was planting the kingdom. Somebody got it. Did you get that? He's calling them apostles now. He's not calling them disciples here. He's calling the 12, 11, Judas Iscariot is gone, apostles, and then he He tells us, Luke tells us, the physician tells us that he's been talking about uh, the kingdom over 40 days. Jesus was talking to the to the apostles about the kingdom of God and he's calling them apostles. He's calling them to plant. The kingdom. Write this, type this. The church is the kingdom of God on earth. Simple statement, profound understanding. The church is the kingdom of God on earth. In order for us to be the church, we have to be the kingdom. The church is the kingdom of God. Y'all got that? On earth. Y'all got it? What does it say? Oh, it says something about an app. Okay. So ask uh, uh, Jeremiah to come out of the office and look looks like you need some help, bruh. The church is the kingdom Of God on earth. In order for us to be the church, we have to be the kingdom. Do y'all get that? In order for us to be the church, we have to be the kingdom. There are a bunch of times where Jesus tells us what the kingdom of God is like. To understand, What the church is to be. To understand what the church is to be like, we must understand what the kingdom is like so that we can be the church. The church. As the kingdom of God in order, let me say it again, to understand what the church is to be like, we must understand what the kingdom is like so that we can be the church. Y'all got it. That's the church as the kingdom. Might be my next message series, the church as the kingdom. So we understand what church is about. Amen, somebody. So Jesus taught his disciples, who were now to be apostles, right, about how to be the church, about how to plant the kingdom of God on earth. And the last thing they needed from Jesus before he left was the power to plant the church, right? That's what they needed. One thing I know in my own experiences, one thing I do know, you can't plant a church without power and not just having the unction to plant and you can't, Just have the desire to plant. I'm a witness. You cannot just have the passion to plant. You've got to have the power to plant. That power cannot come from you. I'm a witness. I tried. People do ministry with their own power. And as a result, that ministry is actually not a part of the kingdom. Help me, Lord. And if that ministry is not a part of the kingdom, that ministry is not a part of the church. It is instead a secular endeavor. That's why I don't like when people say we have a program at church. We have we don't have pro we have ministries of the kingdom, come on, at church and out of church. Write this, type this, anything That has to do with the kingdom has to have kingdom power. Anything that has to do with the kingdom has to have kingdom power. I love that. In fact, it's anecdotally, if you go on the website now, you can go under last messages or latest message. And if you hit that card, latest message, go into that. All these notes are here that I'm giving you. They're here. And you can add your own notes at the same time and then email yourself both my notes and your notes. Amen, somebody. Amen. Anything that has to do with the kingdom has to have kingdom power. That's latest message on the the website. Amen. Verse 6. Look at verse 6. Then they gathered around him and, verse 6, and asked him, do you see it with me? Lord, read it with me, are you at this time, read it with me, going to restore the kingdom of Israel? That's what they asked him. Why are they asking him that? They're like, watch this. They're like this. Now that you told us, watch this. Now that you told us all this stuff about the kingdom over the last 40 days, remember that? Now that you talked about, you spoke to us about the kingdom over the last almost six weeks, when are you going to restore it? That kingdom you've been talking about. Makes sense now if you read it that way. You've been talking about it for 40, almost 40, for 40 days. When are you going to restore it, Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. Somebody say don't get it twisted. Jesus said that in context. Don't get it twisted. I'm not going to restore the kingdom you are. Did you get it? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to restore it. You're going to restore it because his answer after that tells you that he's going to restore it. He says, verse eight, verse seven, he says, he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you see it? He said, I'm not going to restore the kingdom. You are this beloved is a new day. My fellow disciples and some apostles, because Jesus has now called us to be apostles. He's called many of us not just to be disciples, oh y'all don't hear me, but to be apostles. He's called us as a body to plant the church again. The church has, I got a prophetic word for you today, the church has changed for good. And even though it's Bad out there, even though it's unsafe out there, although it's dangerous out there right now, the harvest is right, but the laborers are few. Right now is the time to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the virtual harvest field. People today, I said it this last week, more than any recent time are keenly aware of their need for a savior of their need for a deliverer, of their need for prayer, or the, and their need for someone to hear their prayer who's so much greater than they are. Verse 6, look at it again. They gathered around him and asked him, after he'd been talking about the kingdom for 40 days, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, are you going to take the Roman government and give it to Israel? Right. And he's saying this. Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. I'm not talking about taking someone else's kingdom. I'm talking about my kingdom. Come on, somebody. That's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to take everything over when I come back again on my second coming. That's going to happen then. That's why he says to them in verse seven, it is not for you to know the times or dates that the father has set by his own authority. Don't go on to the second coming yet. Wait, wait a second. You know, this is, I'm talking about now. He's saying the kingdom I've been speaking to you about for nearly the last six weeks is my witness in the world. The kingdom that I've been speaking to you about for 40 days is my kingdom, is my witness in the world. Every time you witness Jesus in the world, there is his kingdom. Everywhere you serve me, there's my kingdom, he's saying. Everywhere you worship me, there's my kingdom. Can I get a witness? Every place you are a witness to who I am, there's my kingdom right there. Every time the father, Father's will is being done, that's where his kingdom has come. Let me say that again. Every time the Father's will is being done, your kingdom come, let your will be done. Every time the Father's will is being done, that's where his kingdom has come. Your kingdom, disciples' prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That disciples' prayer that Jesus gave us, that rubric of how to pray, that that disciples' prayer is actually, watch this, a call back to us. It's a call back to us as much as it is a call to the Father. Get it, get it, get it, get it. Father, let us bring your kingdom to the earth. Father, let us bring your kingdom to the world. Let us be your witnesses wherever we are and wherever we go. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But the only way we can accomplish this extraordinary feat is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? You see, the witness of his kingdom must be the witness of his power. Let me say that again. That's not going to be up on the screen, but the witness, you can write down anyway, type it. The witness of his kingdom must be the witness of his power. In order to witness his kingdom, you got to witness it with his, come on, with his power. Luke, look, look look at verse eight where Luke says that Jesus says, but you will receive, verse eight, power, When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses, that's the context, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The witness of his kingdom must be the witness of his power, right? Make sense? We depend on the Holy Spirit to give us power. Understand that the Holy Spirit is... As a Christian, as a disciple of Christ, we understand that the Holy Spirit is already on you. Hallelujah. You're not waiting, come on, somebody, for the Holy Spirit to come on you like the apostles were back then. Beloved, the Holy Spirit has already come, and so the Holy Spirit is already here. Beloved, the Holy Spirit has already come. On you, the Holy Spirit has already entered you if you've embraced Jesus as your Savior. The Holy Spirit has already made his way into your life. Write that down. The Holy Spirit has already made his way into your life. Just make sure you've let the Holy Spirit make his way into your witness. The Holy Spirit has already made his way into your life. Just make sure that you've let the Holy Spirit make his way into your witness. I want you to understand something. I want you to understand this. The reason why the Holy Spirit made his way into their witness, the apostles' witness, the, the disciples' witness, was because they did what Jesus told them, listen to me, to do. The way, the reason why the Holy Spirit made his way into their witness was because they did what Jesus told them. Listen to me to do. They followed his commands. I happen to be teaching Bible study beginning Wednesday, uh, Minister Greg and Millings and I, on the commands of Jesus. Because they are critically important to, under, to being able to get help, come on, from the Holy Spirit Hallelujah. In order, so it was this. Again, I'll say it again. The reason why the Holy Spirit made his way into their witness was because they did what Jesus told them to do. They followed his commands. So it's important to them to know what his commands are so that we can follow him so that the Holy Spirit will make his way into our witness. Get it together. Put it together. Look at verse 4. And five, verses four and five. Look at it with me. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, read it with me from the beginning. Go. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, read it with me, he gave them this command. Read, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Keep going. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I love that. Write this. Type this. If you follow Jesus's commands. Write it down. Type it up. If you follow Jesus's commands, the Holy Spirit will make his way into your witness. If you follow Jesus's commands, I'm giving you real practical, straightforward, but Holy Ghost powerful. Amen. Counsel. Teaching. If you follow Jesus's commands, the Holy Spirit will make his way into your witness. Let me explain. But I want to say this, say that it's a discipline to follow the commands of Jesus. It's not that his teachings are easy to understand, his burden, the burden, his burdens are light. Amen. My yoke is easy, but my burden and my burdens are light. Uh, it's easy to understand and a little harder, much harder to, come on, to do. Can I get a witness, somebody? Let's just be honest. Uh, it's a, so then it's a discipline, right, to follow the commands of Jesus. So if you follow the commands of Jesus, Jesus commands the Holy Spirit will make his way into your life. But it's, it's not easy to follow the commands. It takes time and trouble. Paul told a young Timmy, take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. I think that's 1 Timothy 4 and 7. Take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. It takes time. Come on. It's a discipline to follow the commands of Jesus, and it takes trouble. It takes time and trouble. It's not easy. It takes consistency. You have to train yourself, come on, to be godly. Anybody know that to be true? You have to train yourself to be godly. It's not obeying a couple of things Jesus said to do, and you're good. That's where we are today. People follow a few things that Christians, disciples of Jesus follow a few things that he says, and we think we're good. We're, we're, We're satiated. We're complacent in our witness. But it's not just obeying a couple things and we're good. Following the commands of Jesus must be a developing lifestyle. It's a developing lifestyle. For the disciples at this point, following Jesus had become their whole way of life. That's why they were afraid to lose him. When we looked at last week at John chapter 14, you go into 15 and 16, they were afraid to lose him. Where are you going, Jesus? He said, i must leave. I'm going to my father's house. In my father's house, don't worry, there are many mansions, many rooms. If, I, if it weren't true, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'll come back to get you. Everybody I come back to get you. One day you're going to be with me when you get to heaven. The rest of y'all, I'm going to take y'all up with me when I come back. Right? They were afraid to lose him. Why? Because they gave their their whole lives to him. It wasn't doing a couple things for Jesus and following him sometimes. It was following him everywhere he went. Even with the mistakes they made, they followed him everywhere. Except when they got to the cross. Come on, Peter said, oh, that's a little too far, Jesus. It's a little too far. (laughs) But they were afraid, the point is that they were afraid to lose him. That's why when he said he was leaving them to go back to the Father, they were worried about what they were going to do if they weren't following him. What are we going to do? It's time, listen to me, it's time to make following Jesus a lifestyle, taking the time and trouble to make it a lifestyle so that you and I can not imagine where we would be and who, what we would do without Jesus leading us. Where would I be? Right, come on. Right, carrying me in every season. And so Jesus tells his disciples he's going to leave them the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He tells them that in John 14 from last Sunday when he was about to make his way to the cross. And now Jesus is telling his disciples after he has risen, and right before he leaves them, after those 40 days of talking to them about the kingdom, again, he tells them that the Holy, he's going to leave them, the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is on his way, not only to teach them all that he, that he Jesus, has said, but also to give them power to be his witnesses in the world. And so, write this, type this, the Holy Spirit is the teacher of God's word, the commands of God and the giver of God's power. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of God's word, the commands of God. He teaches us the commands of God if we're willing to be taught. And he is the giver of God's power. He's the teacher, the Holy Spirit of God's word, and the giver of God's power. That means we can neither learn his word nor receive his power without the Holy Spirit. We can neither learn his word nor receive his power without the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Write this, type this. The best way to call on the Holy Spirit is by doing what Jesus said. The best way, I'm going to go there, to call on the Holy Spirit. Come on, all of Pentecostals. come on. The best way to call on the Holy Spirit oh, is by actually doing <laughs> what Jesus said. See, many people call on the Holy Spirit at the same time they are not following Jesus. People cry out to the Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning, scream at the top of their lungs, spit fire out their mouth, roll on the ground, get up, turn around, put a a whole cape around them and say, hey. But don't practice the commands of Jesus throughout the rest of the week. People cry out to the Holy Spirit, but don't practice the commands of Jesus. Let me say it again. The best way to call on the Holy Spirit is by doing what Jesus said. Notice that neither here. Right before the day of Pentecost, I want you to see that Jesus, that the, that, that, that the disciples, the apostles, nor neither the apostles nor the disciples here called on the Holy Spirit. Just call on him. Just call on him. He'll spit fire out your mouth, no? Notice that neither the apostles nor the rest of the disciples here called on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they didn't need to. Oh, help me, Lord. They just did what Jesus told them to do. He said, wait for the gift that my father, come on, right, promise. Verse four, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Right? He said this, go back, verse four, on one occasion while... He was eating with them. He gave them this what? He gave them this command. He gave them this. Thing. He said, this is my command. Follow Jesus' commands. That's how you receive the power, come on, of the Holy Spirit. He said, wait. Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water. But in a few days you will be baptized With the Holy. That's the result of you waiting of doing what I actually command and told you to do. I want to say it again. The best way to call on the Holy Spirit is by doing what Jesus said. They didn't need to call on him physically. They just needed to follow what Jesus said. What does that all mean? When the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit gave them power. Not power to be a show-off. Not power to be a clown act of a preacher on a pulpit. But power to be what? To be a witness. Power so that those who experience the power on them, the power of the Holy Spirit, would know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. So call on the Holy Spirit today by doing what Jesus commands. So Jesus leaves. He's taken up before their very eyes into heaven. A cloud actually blocks, when he goes up, blocks his way all the way up into heaven. And they, as the Bible says, and they waited like he commanded them to do. But while they were waiting, while they they waited, verse 14 says, they all joined together, verse 14, look at it, constantly in prayer. They did what Jesus commanded them to do. They waited. This season that we're in, in this time, is a time of waiting for the Holy Spirit. Not because we don't have the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit, but because each one of us needs to focus on doing what Jesus commands. Because the church needs to be replanted. Help me, Lord. Because the church needs to be reborn today because some of us are called to turn our discipleship into apostleship. Some of us are called to lead in the replanting of the church of Jesus Christ. Ministry leaders need to replant their ministries so that they display the power of the Holy Spirit. That means your church ministry needs to be reimagined because we are living in a new world. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you and through you. But you've got to do what Jesus says first. You've got to approach life the way Jesus says to approach life. You've got to approach situations very differently than what you may have been taught by the world. You and I cannot be the typical religious person that we all know. We have to be the persons Jesus told you and I to be. Then the Holy Spirit will not only be in you, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And you then will be Jesus' witnesses in in the world, Let me get to the end of this thing. Because they did, the apostles and the rest of the disciples, the 11 and the rest of the disciples, about 120 of them or so, because they did what Jesus commanded them to do, the Holy Spirit transformed these cowards into these brave disciples who spread the gospel. They were just cowards when he went to the cross. And now he's calling them apostles. Come on, somebody. Peter wasn't the only one who, in a sense, denied Jesus. He just got asked. The Holy Spirit transformed these Cowards into brave disciples who spread the gospel, who became great witnesses that spread the gospel by the end of the first century to over 30 countries and 39 cities. No Internet. No telephone. Come on, somebody. No way of spreading the gospel via Netflix, YouTube, Facebook, none of that. No airplanes. Come on, somebody. 30 countries by the end of the first century. 39 cities. So, pastor, I get it. So how do I actually become more consistent and more serious about following the commands of Jesus so that the witness that I have is by the power of the Holy Spirit and that the kingdom of God will be on the earth will uh, uh, grow upon the earth because not because Jesus needs me to do it, but he's called me to do it. How? I mean, I've, I've tried a number of times to actually be more consistent, more serious about following the commands of Jesus, and what I found in my life is that I eventually fall off. And I honestly get distracted by other things that come up in my life. I keep trying, though. That's why I keep coming to church. I keep trying. That's why I keep coming to Bible study. I keep trying. That's why I keep coming. Trying, though, is about performance and legalism. Training is about relationship and apprenticeship. Let me say that again. Trying is about performance and legalism. Training is about relationship and apprenticeship. Trying is about performance and legalism. Training is about relationship and apprenticeship. Write this, type this. I'm probably writing that anyway, so I'll give you something else. It'll be up on the screen here, and I'll give it to you. Training yourself, and it's also on the website under latest messages. Amen. (laughs) Training yourself to be godly is the essence of a good life. Training yourself to be godly is the essence of a good life of a good life. Transforming yourself into Christ's likeness is about training. It's about training your body to be an operational temple of the Holy Spirit. It's about training your, that's good, I need to say it again. It's about training your body to be an operational temple of the Holy Spirit. It's about training your body to be a sacred place for the Holy Spirit to live and to work. And when you we do that, when we do that, the Holy Spirit will come on us like the Bible describes the Holy Spirit. When we do that, the Holy Spirit will come on us like a wind. The Holy Spirit when we do that, when we train For godliness, when we follow the commands of Jesus, because we're developing a relationship and because we're an apprentice of Jesus, uh, when we do that, the Holy Spirit will come on us like tongues of fire, like one, as the Bible describes, hovering over us, like a dove, the Holy Spirit, descending upon us and the Father saying, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. It will be like the Lord breathing on you and I, pouring out his spirit on you and I, like streams of waters. It will be you. It, it will be your ministry. It will be your witness that has come out of the Holy Spirit's refiner's fire. And you will have become this sacred vessel, this holy temple that houses. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. God bless you. The witness of the Holy Spirit. The witness of the Holy Spirit. I want to stand to your feet. I want you to remember that the Father and the Son make their home in you through the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15 to 25. The Father and the Son make their abode, make their residence, make their home in you through the Holy Spirit, the witness of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Let the church say amen.